Welcome back, everybody. This is Ari Gronich with Create a New Tomorrow. We are here today with Norman Plotkin. He is a hypnotherapist, an author, a coach. He's been a health committee consultant for the California legislature, representing um, California physicians. He's owned private lobbying firms in nation states. And this is something I really want to talk to him about because I love government so much, as you all know. So I just wanted to put that out there that he, he, he has been one of the evil ones. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> lobbying in our nation's capital. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see what that that tells us. So Norman, why don't you tell us a little bit deeper about who you are, why you became who you are, and and this journey of going from a legislature and consultant to transitioning into clinical hypnotherapy. I mean, this is crazy. It's crazy talk, you know, what most people would consider. So let's let's just get into it, Norman. Uh, tell us about yourself and how you became who you are. Yeah, long, strange trip it's been, right? So I, uh, you know, I grew up on a ranch and I, I didn't go to college right away. I went in the Marine Corps and then I got out of the Marine Corps and I worked in the oil fields and in a rock plant where I made little rocks out of big rocks like Fred Flintstone. And and uh, then I was doing construction line work, uh, climbing telephone poles, thinking that the world looked up to linemen. And to some extent they do, but uh, I... Uh, ran into a, a, an experience. My brother was killed in a car accident and I, I reevaluated everything. And uh, I, I shut down what I was doing then and uh, went back to college. And I was in a hurry because now I'm 25 and feeling behind. And so uh, I went to community college. I did speech and debate and student government, transferred to the university and graduated in three years with a bunch of internship credits and because uh, I had you know, I went to school in Sacramento where the capital was and uh, and got all these internships. The uh, government chair on my exit interview looked at the number of 18 units of internships said, that'll never happen again. You know, I said, well, doesn't everybody, isn't that why you come to Sacramento, right? So at any rate, um, I got within the first semester, I got a job as a clerk in the state assembly and uh, from clerk to consultant, I ran campaigns. Um, I became a committee consultant. Uh, then I was hired by the Medical Association to lobby. I lobbied doing that for several years and then and then struck out on my own and had my own lobbying firm. Actually, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I have a question about that. You were a Marine and now you're learning meditation. Where did those two things combine? Because I, I know a lot of Marines. I know a lot of Navy SEALs and they're meditating constantly during during conflict. I mean, that's how they get through the conflict. Did you find that there was any correlation there between the meditating and, and your experience in Marines? Well, the, the power of the mind and the things that let me get, you know, helped me get through my experience as a Marine were, were the kind of things that led me to hypnotherapy. Uh, it wasn't until later uh, that when I learned how to meditate that I realized I was using breathing techniques uh, before. You know, the Navy SEALs teach box breathing, you know, five seconds in, five seconds out, five seconds in, five seconds out, building a box. And I, I, I know that now, but when you're in it, I, I, I didn't understand it at the time. What I needed to do was get control of my overactive mind. I, I, I was faced with 
you know, a life-threatening disease. It, and it's never just about the cancer. My, my marriage didn't survive it. Uh, you know, all the things I'd worked so hard for, my big house, my fast cars, all these things that I thought were important really weren't. But it's in that transition where you think you're losing the things that were important to you that make that makes it difficult. So I learned to breathe. I learned to meditate. I learned Ayurveda and my dosha and how to eat for my dosha. And um, I learned a lot about myself. And then uh, teachers began to appear. I read Wayne Dyer, The Power of Intention, uh, Carolyn Meese, uh, Anatomy of the Spirit, Deepak Chopra's Quantum Healing, uh, Joe Dispenza, so many uh, just began to appear and my interest uh, moved in that direction. And I, I really the power of intention, Wayne, Wayne Dyer, I saw him speak in Pasadena in 2015, very powerful, saw Carolyn Meese at the same time, Joe Dispenza. And uh, I really wanted to put myself into the service of others. It became a serious thing. And so I, you know, I walked away from the lobbying thing. I shut down the firm. I, I moved to LA and um and initially, I had taken a, a job as an as a, a executive director of a trade association, which was akin to what I'd been doing. And after a year of that, it, 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 you know, I, just, I didn't renew the contract, and I, I began to look in a new direction. And I was led. I was led to – I was looking at coaching, and I saw this one program where these psychologists, they said, well, you, to get an edge, add hypnosis to your coaching program. <clears throat> and I said – to myself, well, I thought that was fairly interesting, but I wasn't going to go to a one-week deal. So it turns out the nationally accredited College of Hypnotherapy is right there in Los Angeles. I was in Burbank, and it's in Tarzana. And uh, I met somebody who'd gone, and uh, I, I signed up. Nice. I, I noticed, uh, as I stated to you before we started recording, uh, I saw you and I went to Hypnosis Motivation Institute, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, both uh, went there, and, and got her clinical hypnotherapy certificates and, and so on. And it's a great school. This was the, uh, this was the first school for hypnotherapy in the country. Uh, now there's, you know, tons of them. I don't think any of them are, are quite as good as, uh, as HMI, but um, tell me something when, when you were deciding to, to transition into coaching and deciding to transition into the consulting, you know, you've authored three books. What did you decide was the point of the three books? Like each one I'm sure has its own point, but how did you, how did you decide the passion that you would put into those, that content, into those words? Because a lot of people want to write a book, but they don't know if that book is going to sell. They don't know if it's going to be read. They just are passionate about putting their brain onto paper. And so out of the enormous amount of experience that you have, how did you decide those? Because I think all three of those made number one bestseller. Is that correct? Uh, two of them are bestsellers. The other was, it was brand new. So, okay. Two of them are, are bestsellers. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the content of the books and what it is that you're trying to teach people. Sure. So I always wanted to write a book and it's the, getting to that focused place where what, what's the story you want to tell? What, what's the value uh, to the reader? And so I tried really hard for three years to write a book about the cancer experience. 
and I, I got nowhere. So I hired a coach. I, I attended the author incubator program and having the ability to focus, you know, I, who knew that I was unsuccessful for three years because I was trying to write more than one book at once. You know what I mean? So uh, getting really clear on who my reader was and what my message was, was the upshot of having a, a coach who's helped, you know, literally you know, thousands of people write books. And so um, it became the, the cathartic memoir of the cancer experience. And so uh, I was able to organize it into the seven proven steps to healing and recovery. So that was, that was the first book and it, and it felt really good. And, uh, and it's really about a, a message of, of hope and of that for people, when you're in the middle of it, you've got the skin in the game and you really need to be your own captain and that's the take charge. Yeah, so I wanna know what, the, what these seven proven steps are because, so I was, people, a lot of people don't know. I, was, I used to be on the advisory board for a long time of a cancer nonprofit called Marathon of Miracles. And, and we were mostly alternative healthcare and, and we would help people get solutions that were not necessarily the chemos and the radiations and the toxins and the, and the medicines and pills, but things like Gerson, you know, protocol with uh, coffee enemas. I mean, these are the things that people don't know that they really, really want. <laughs> yeah, drink, pairing a juice, drinking bitter green juice, right? That was something that people don't know that they don't want. So oh, yeah. what are the, what are the seven proven techniques? And let's just go one by one and then kind of talk them out. All right. I've done Gerson. I've done Granny, you know, Granny Smith, apple juice, uh, you know, three days, nothing but, uh, and those, those are powerful. Those are powerful methods, but, um, the seven steps begins with radically change your diet. We have what's known today in America as the sad, yep. the standard American diet. And it's making people sick, processed foods, high fat, fast foods. Uh, it's really important to eat, to live and eat foods that are not processed. And so there's a whole, there's a whole chapter on it, but the high level is eat to live. And so radically change your diet. Right. But Americans love to live, to eat, not, not eat to live. Yeah. And, and you know, they're unwilling to forego the fried chicken from Kentucky fried or, or the MSG from places, you know, I mean, they're unwilling to do that. So how, how do we explain this in a way that somebody can say, um, I'm going to do that because that sounds a lot better than having my organs eaten from the inside out. Right. So, think well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I deal with people who smoke cigarettes and the, and the package on it says the surgeon general says this could kill you. And they do it anyway. So, uh, so that's one of the chapters too, the subconscious mind. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, because you know, change is hard. To change one thing in your life is hard. To change seven things is you know, nearly impossible for some. So, radically change your diet. Learn to meditate. Getting control of your self-talk is super important because you're listening, and so is every cell in your body. So, meditation and getting control of your active mind 
The mind can be the master or the slave. Towards the end of this conversation, I just wanted to lead it back there because I want people to have tricks and tools and tips and things that they can do to make their life better, to make their communities better, to make their relationships more rich and vibrant and lively so that suicide is not even in their consciousness as an option because they always know there's somebody out there to help. There's some kind of hope, some kind of thing that they could do. And so I wanted to bring it back there. And I want you to just talk about that a little bit, um, you know, as a subconscious mindfulness healing coach person, I know that, that this is some of the stuff you have to deal with every single day. Love. Love is our birthright. Love is God energy. Love energy equals God energy, whatever, by whatever name you call God, the divine. Having love in your heart space is your birthright. It's why you're here. And so, so often people wonder, why am I here? Why do I? These are all lessons. We're here. We signed up. Our soul, souls are eternal. We live, we are eternal souls living a temporary biological existence in this very dense frequency that's known as earth. And emotion li li lives here. People, souls come here to learn about emotion because this is the only place that exists in the universe. And so each of these things are a lesson. I often find myself when I'm in my next embarrassing moment, let me learn the lesson quickly. <laughs> and you know, what's, where's the lesson? Let me learn it quickly, find the lesson, learn it quickly, move on to my next embarrassing moment. But as long as we see it that way, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about the, the email I got from the guy who'd read my book and, and credited the book with, you know, having five months of chemo uh, holiday. And I, I asked myself, why did I get cancer? Why, why me? I had all this, I had this great life, I thought. I had this great life, why did I have to get cancer? What's, and so the meaning of the cancer was to push through, to find my true essential purpose in life, to be in the service of others using the power of the subconscious mind, leading with love. And when I, realized that the message of my cancer was to pull me out of a cesspool and put me into a loving space helping others. When people leave my office, they float out of here feeling better. And that just, that lifts me up. That, that's my reason for living. And so the, the pain of the cancer, emotional and physical, the fear was to direct me to my essential purpose to my soul's purpose. And once I realized that, I stopped asking why. Why did this happen? Well, it was a lesson that I needed to learn. And look what I, I learned it. And thank goodness I did. And I did, I learned it and it brought me to my soul's purpose. And so when you see that the pain is a lesson, then you dedicate yourself to learning what, the, what is the lesson here? Make it a game. Now it's a game. What is this pain teaching me? 
What, what should I learn so that I can move to the next lesson? That's what life is. It's a series of lessons. And if we get hung up on one and give up, then what is this is what leads us to what's the purpose of life? Well, you forgot what the purpose of life was. You forgot that it's a series of lessons. So get in the game and learn the lesson and move on to the next one. It may be painful. You may skin your knee. It may hurt your feelings. But you know you're alive. And you, you then, what's the lesson here? Let me learn it quickly so that I can move on to the next lesson. That's why we're here. We're here to learn lessons so that our souls can evolve. If you get hung up on this is painful, you miss that there's a lesson. And you miss the point of life. Yep. And when you remember, if you just fix in your mind that the point of life is to be here and to learn lessons and for our soul to grow and expand. And in so doing, it expands others by our example. Right? And so it's in this way that we give meaning and value to our life by understanding that this pain, there's some there's a lesson. Remember, my favorite, oh my favorite. The little boy who goes down the hallway and opens the door to his room and is full of horse poop. You know what he said? There's a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so you see what I mean? Right. So, so bring, in the, bring in the discernment from your gut. The discernment of, from your gut what, to then ask the question, what's the lesson here? Let me learn it quickly so I can move to the next lesson. The next lesson may be painful. Accept it. Accept that it may be painful. And learn it too. And at some point, the sun begins to rise. And the lessons are less painful. But now you're a teacher. Now you've had your shamanic journey. And now you become a teacher for others. And that's what mine and yours. I, I, I hear your story. And I, I'm similar. You know, I, there, was a, there was pain. There, there was pain. And I've, I've surveyed all of the, all of the major religions. I've, I've trekked in, in Nepal and studied Buddhism at the Monkey Temple. I, 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 my, my girlfriend is from China and we, we study Taoism, you know, uh, you talk about wanting to come to this country. I, I have, she's a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and, she, you know, she, she came here from China and I know a lot of her friends who've come here from China. They, people are eager to come to this country. It's still the things that it was founded on are still. And so using our discernment, and keeping love in our heart space and understanding that the, what may seem painful is a lesson and asking to learn the lesson quickly so that we might move on to the next. This is the meaning of life. That's awesome. All right, three, count them, three tips, tricks, actionable steps that can be immediately implemented for anyone listening to this well, I have to apologize. We, we covered them in, in this wide ranging, but I'll, I'm going to recap them here for you. Cool. Breathe, 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 breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Do the box breathing if you need to. The, these are tactics that they, they teach people who are in high stress. And so breathing resets the autonomic nervous system. So anytime you're in a moment of stress, a deep breath into your nose. Caveat. And out your mouth. I have a caveat for that. Breathe in through okay. your nose, not in through your mouth. When you breathe in through your mouth, you excite 
your adrenal glands. When you breathe in through your nose, you calm your adrenal glands, thereby taking yourself out of fight or flight and into a more balanced, relaxed state. It's really good, by the way, for people who have massive anxiety disorders. Absolutely. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Number two is love. Love is your birthright. It resides in your heart center. And if any moment you don't feel that you're feeling loving in your heart center, you're feeling fear. And that fear can begat so many other negative emotions. And all it's really as simple as fixing in your mind an icon that represents love for you. And then just imagining it in your heart space and bringing yourself into a place of love. Now, I, in my spiritual journey, I have, I have done, I have um, done a number on my ego. It used to be pretty big when I was a lobbyist and I have reduced that ego to a very, very small. Now I just want to help people in the shortest amount of time. And that has become, I want to be really good at what I do. But so in moments where I feel that ego creeping back in, I just come back to a place of love. I see a red rose. I see my little girl's face. You know, there, there are these things that just bring me immediately my holding my mom's hand as she breathed her last breath. And I, I was able to take her through hospice. And that just that moment, she brought me in. I escorted her out. And I was so grateful for that opportunity. But these are the things that represent love. And I bring that and fear melts away. So fear, love, not fear. And it's, it's really as easy as that. And the third thing is, back to Dr. Frankel, you are so powerful and you leak your power the moment you react to somebody without thought. So remember between space, the space between action and reaction, stimulus and response is your power because you get to decide what kind of human being you wanna be. Those three things, they don't cost any money. They're easy to remember. And the upside for you is immeasurable. That's awesome. I, I, have, I, I like to add caveats to things. I have a, a, a thing about ego because I don't think that ego is this nasty thing that everybody seems to think it is. To me, the, the nastiness is when the ego is above the commitment, thereby pushing the commitment down. When you have it the other direction and your commitment is here and your ego is pushing your commitment, to me, that's where you want to be because you want that ego, that identity to push your passion, to push your commitment forward, to be competitive with yourself, not with others, but with yourself to be better you every time. And your commitment is here. So that ego is, is the power that's underneath. It's like the wind beneath my wings, right? So the ego is that wind, but my wings is the commitment. Absolutely. Everything, everything serves a, a purpose. And so, I mean, my business is Norman Plotkin Hypnotherapy. I mean, you can, I can't remove myself from my ego and I'm pushing, I'm pushing my commitment. It's the same thing with liberty and responsibility, right? My liberty ends where yours begins. And I, I enjoy liberty because I have the responsibility to, to you know, use it in a, in a positive way, right? So absolutely, I, we don't want no ego. We just want it in check under yeah. our commitment. Yeah. And so Norman, how can people get a hold of you if, if they want to get a hold of you? I'm at normanplotkin.com, N-O-R-M-A-N-P-L-O-T-K-I-N.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Norman Plotkin, Inc. 
Facebook, Norman Plotkin Inc. Uh, uh, Instagram, Norman Plotkin CHT. I'm, all, I'm at Norman Plotkin for Twitter. I don't use that one very much, but. Is there a lot of you? Because I know there's no more Ari Groniches on the planet other than this one. So there's, is there any other Norman Plotkins? There are, believe it or not. There's a dentist in Monterey. There's a couple of attorneys. Yeah, there are other Norman Plotkins. Who knew? In, uh, you know, my grandfather came from the Ukraine in uh, 1903. Uh, it turns out it means fishermen, you know, on the Black Sea, there, you know, there's a lot of them. So uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, there, there are, but none of, none of them are hypnotherapists. Gotcha. All right. So audience, if you'd like to get a hold of Norman, you can reach him at normanplotkin.anywhere.com. Basically, anywhere you, uh, you want to look social media wise or Facebook or normanplotkin.com. So I really enjoyed this conversation, Norman. Thank you so much for being here. And you have given a tremendous value to our guests or to our audience. And uh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And this is Ari Gronich. This has been another episode of Create a New Tomorrow, where we are teaching you tips and tricks to create a new tomorrow today. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to the next one.